Hi there, it's Andrea and Chelsea. Welcome to Renewed, a podcast where we have honest faith and life talk. We hope to challenge you to think deeper about your faith and be more confident in your relationship with God. Join us as we explore everything from tough topics in theology to practical ways we can live out our faith. This is Renewed. Hi everyone, welcome back to Renewed. On today's episode, we're talking about something that Andrea and I have debated on quite a bit. And as we grow in our faith, we've also just heard a lot more debate about this topic. Um, And it is what the role of a woman is in the church. So we just want to know what what the Bible has to say about it. You know, uh, are women able to serve in leadership positions? Are they allowed to be pastors? Are they allowed to teach? I know for some of you, this topic isn't something that you've heard about before, but there are some pretty opposing views on it. And we always kind of wondered why. For example, you know, if we look at the church through a secular feminist lens, you can see that there are traditionally more men in power than women. So, you know, how come? Why? Yeah. And this is, like Chelsea said, something we've struggled with and still wrestle and struggle with Mm -hmm. because, well, we're women, right? So we want to know the implications for ourselves. Um, but, but we think that to first answer this question, we need to present the different views on this. And we want to also establish some of the basics about women and in the Bible first. So um, let's go through some of these hot topic questions and just get a foundation before we answer the main question. Yeah. So one of the common things that we hear is that some people will say that God is a misogynist. So that just means he, uh, he hates women. And if you like think about all of the violence against women in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it's hard not to question, like, how could God do these things? Mm -hmm. Very tough question. But basically, we know that violence happens because of sin. And men are also fully at fault here as well. They choose to lord over their authority over women. And that's because from Genesis 3, when there is a fall and sin entered the world, it says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So as humans, we have that tendency now because of sin when it entered the world. But the Bible shows time and time again that God loves women. He created women and he loves his creation and he created them both in his image. So not just Adam. And it wasn't like women was created in Adam's image. We were both created in God's image. And and then also in Genesis, Adam says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And when he says that, he means that we're both equal. Another side of it is God actually acts pretty radically by elevating the role of women in a time back then where in a culture where women were basically seen as nothing. They they were completely unequal because of sin. All Roman and Jewish women were under the authority of men at that time. And I think we focus so much on how men can seem more important than women. But have you realized that God actually chose to bring his son Jesus to earth through a woman? And it was also mentioned so many times in the Gospels that there were women standing by tending to Jesus. Um, it was women that was watching him being crucified. And it was the women that stuck around when the men actually fled and they mm-hmm. were scared. And so it was also a woman at Jesus' resurrection that was first mentioned too. So, um, this could have all been left out because at that time, like women were not important at all, but they 
it wasn't. It was included for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This also makes me think of a lot of examples from Joe Vitale, who is like an expert on Old Testament and, and the role of women um, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And she provides like so many examples where where God does elevate the role of women, um, even in the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and 22, we see that there are roles that God is is giving Israel on how to behave, basically on how to run as a nation. And rape is banned in ancient Israel. So basically, if a man desires a woman, he has to wait. Uh, he has to commit to marrying her. And if he does not want to marry her, then he has to set her free and redeem her status. So mm-hmm. this was groundbreaking. I know that these laws are a little bit hard to, for us to understand now. But in that time, Women couldn't own property. They couldn't have a job. If a woman didn't have a father, brother, or husband, basically her options were slavery or prostitution. Um, And this Mm -hmm. was like in that time, in that culture. But the fact that God was telling Israel, you know, he was telling the men to give the woman freedom, that was just something that was completely unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we also see it like Andrea, you you talked about how, how Jesus treated women. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 29, he says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the sermon challenged men to see that lust originates in their hearts, right? And women can't be completely blamed. Uh, back then, the blame was totally on the woman to, to cover up and not to, you know, quote unquote, tempt men so mm-hmm. we can clearly see that jesus had a heart for a woman he had conversation with a samaritan woman at the well he prevents mary from leaving to the kitchen when martha calls her he yeah like you said he chose women to be the first witnesses of his resurrection and he showed that their testimony mattered during a time where it meant next to nothing and mm-hmm. yeah this is something that's so like important to think about right Woman's testimony meant nothing in that time. So why in the world would God choose, you know, two women to be the first witnesses of the resurrection? It shows that Jesus really valued women and he honored them. And Mm. yeah, to even kind of, you know, comment on what you mentioned, Andrea, it is true that there are bad things that happen to women in the Bible, but it doesn't mean that the that God condones it, right? It's it's a historical recount of what happened. So if the Bible took away all of these, you know, real stories of human brokenness, then it would kind of be less reliable book because it's sort of like, you know, taking out all of the bad stuff. But we have to understand that it is a historical book. And so it's also explaining what happened at the time. And when we put that into contrast with God's law, with Jesus's actions towards women, uh, we can see that it totally contradicts culture and society in that time Mm, that's so true like if it was all taken out it would be just like the good parts and then Mm -hmm. why would anyone trust the bible right so it's important that all of it's in there and just because it's in there doesn't mean that god says it's good so i i like agree or acknowledge it's just it is what happened Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good so based off of what we said then does that mean god is a feminist and is feminism even biblical yeah so the concept of feminism is obviously like a man-made one Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that God probably doesn't label himself as a feminist. I think 
we like to label people and and give them that you know identity but fundamentally feminism in itself is a philosophy that advocates for equal rights for men and women so um, that means socially politically economically in other ways back then it started with women fighting for their rights to vote right and this is a good thing the difference is that nowadays modern feminism it goes a little bit further so it can start with small things like uh, they might push for things like language equality. So instead of saying chairman, you say chairperson. Um, mm-hmm. So those are just like small things that you might hear of. And I think a lot of it just kind of amounts to overthrowing any and all male dominance in society. And ultimately, it reaches a point where it goes against what the Bible says. So mm-hmm. Again, let's go back to, according to the Bible, men and women are of equal worth, right? So there's not one who is better than the other. We're both made in his image. So I think the essence of feminism at its core, that women are allowed the rights of a man, are of equal value, like that's true and it's good and it's biblical. And we can we saw that with how God, like, you know, um, elevated the status of women in that time. But I think currently a lot of the extreme feminism is is not biblical. We actually see like the wording change even in the new NIV version. Like we're not gonna get into if that's like a good thing or a bad yeah. thing. But I think instead of saying like um like what is it, like sometimes instead of saying men they'll say like people or like yeah um, or like brothers, brothers and sisters say brothers and sisters yeah 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 yeah. I mean it does mean brothers and sisters right? But then. Um, there's like a whole other thing about like should they even change it then if we do know the intention already like but that's yeah for another time <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay so I guess we've we've you know seen that God sees men and women as equals you know we don't call him a feminist but he sees us as equals he made us as equals so why does he tell the wife to submit to the husband and this is specifically referring to um, a verse in Ephesians 5 where, where Paul is is instructing uh, the wife to do that. Mm-hmm. So I would say that submission in the Bible is not the same as how we perceive it nowadays. Like nowadays, it's a, it has a very negative connotation with it. It's like submission nowadays means like, you know, you have to obey blindly just because you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, the person that we have to submit to might be like abusing it and taking advantage. Or it's like a leader that just gives orders or like when you think of submission, you like I imagine like slaves sometimes, right? Because you have to submit to to the person in charge of you. Um, but this is so submit to your husband. This is obviously in the context of marriage, and we know that the purpose of marriage is to reflect Jesus and the church. So the church is ref- is submitting to Jesus. But what does that really mean, right? So while women were called to submit men also then have a huge responsibility to be leading biblically. They have to be loving the women like Jesus loves the Christians, which means to always forgive, to always love, to to sacrifice so much that you would die for them, to do all and everything in the best interests. And as the men do that, ideally, as godly men seeking God's directions and loving the way that God loves, it's then ideal and right for the women to quote unquote now submit and trust that. So a real life example, I would say of submission in a marriage context would be, for example, if you're making like a life decision 
the husband and the wife are one, right? Because when you're married, you're you're made one. So they should both be praying to God earnestly about it. The man then has the responsibility to lead and pray about it, to seek God alone about it, to discuss mm-hmm. with his wife, maybe like do do the research and and see what her thoughts are and then talk about the decision. And at the end of the day, if she's still unsure, he then has the responsibility to make the decision based on how God directs them. And in quote-unquote submission, the woman then trusts the husband's decision because that's also God's decision because he would have consulted God, right? And um, just notice how it's not just him making the decision like, I want to do this, you have to listen. It's not like that at all Mm -hmm. because while women submit, the men also have this huge responsibility to seek God first and lead, right? And so Mm -hmm. his answer should not be against her will. Um, His answer should be based off of what they both decided because they were both involved in this process. We we can't like separate from the themes in this whole chapter because in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, 22, 24, um, submit did not mean obey. Because in Ephesians um, chapter 6, verse 1 and and verse 5, children and servants were told to obey. So that obey word was actually used. And it's a different Greek word than it was used for submit. Mm -hmm. So Paul wouldn't have used two different words if he saw submission and obedience as kind of the same thing. Yeah, I I think like the small looking at those words, like the Greek word, uh, seeing that it's a different, has a different meaning, like that's that's really uh, revolutionary for me. When I learned that, I was like, wow, this makes a lot more sense, right? Because I think I did struggle with the whole idea of submission, definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we do have a basic understanding. So we know that Jesus himself, he elevated women in a time and culture where they were considered less than. God created both men and women in his image, and we are both of equal worth and value in his eyes. God also created marriage so that it would reflect Jesus and the church. And the idea of submission is is one that is biblical, that illustrates this whole idea of marriage, and it's not bad. So this leads us to the question, how do these truths play out when we talk about women specifically in the church? So I've seen that many more of the conservative churches will gladly include women in ministry, but all of the Mm -hmm. elders and all of the pastors are usually men. And so just to clarify, we are specifically talking about church ministry. So we're not saying that women can't take a leadership position in their jobs, you know, like they're a woman CEOs and everything. But specifically in the Bible, it talks about church leadership. And some have interpreted this to mean that women cannot be a pastor or an elder. Why is that? Yeah, so there are there are like four main reasons and we'll get into them a little bit. So the first one is order of creation. So male was created before female. Number two, men and women were created with different roles. Number three, Paul clearly says that women will not teach and must be silent. And number four, it's not about capability. So while women and men are both so capable, it's more about what God has designed them to do and what their calling is. I know that there are others who also see it from another perspective and interpret those um, same verses a little bit differently. And some churches will allow women to be lead pastors, to teach men, etc. So how do they interpret the verses that seem to say women can't be leaders in the church? Mm-hmm. So basically, they they use a different interpretation that considers the hermeneutics and the context differently. So when Paul was telling the church at that time to that the woman 
uh, should be quiet, that they should not teach over men. It is because that church specifically, there was a lot of distractions from women um, who were probably uneducated. They were also influenced by the matriarchal society in that culture. So I think they worshipped like some kind of goddess in that um, during that time. So he warns about false teaching in general. Um, and so they're kind of explaining it as the women were, were giving false teachings. Mm-hmm. And when he says that women can't teach men, he's saying that this particular church who uh, they were having issues with women teaching the wrong things to men, uh, that was the order for them. But it's not necessarily something that we as a church today need to apply because it was basically for that specific audience, if that makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of the these churches will take more of a of a stance where both men and women have the Holy Spirit within them, and that is what empowers them to serve the church in whatever capacity that they can, according to their spiritual gifts, basically. So those are the two kind of like opposing views. Uh, there's definitely like a spectrum to this, but yeah, I guess like Andrea, what's what's your opinion on this? Yeah, so I grew up in a church that actually had female pastors. The English pastor was a female and so was the children's pastor. So it was never even an issue for me and I didn't even realize it was a thing until much later on, like maybe like three years ago, um, just as I learned more. And that doesn't mean the church was ruined or anything bad happened because a female led the church as a pastor. But now I do think that it is better for men to to lead in these pastoral roles because that's God's design. So in the Bible, when they talk about like the role of a pastor, it says they're literally to be a shepherd to the people, to teach, to guide, to love, to serve a group of people, and to be their leader. And that's what a pastor was. Nowadays, I feel like the role pastor is like used more loosely sometimes in certain churches. Like for example, now churches don't just have one pastor. Like bigger churches will have like um a, like a discipleship pastor, like a teaching pastor, a children's pastor, and their roles are actually very different. Like a lot of them don't actually oversee and teach the whole church. And so like I feel like some of some like a better title for some of them like might be director, like a for example, instead of a women's children's pastor would be a children's director and I do believe females can be directors as long as they're not the sole leader for a group so just because they're equal like women and men it also doesn't mean they have the exact same roles so like I just think of the three persons in the trinity obviously we know that they're completely equal right they're but they're different and they have different roles um there's God the father and he's the father but that doesn't mean he's more powerful than Jesus the son, right? Even though Jesus submitted to God's will to die on the cross, does that mean that Jesus is less powerful than God? No. And then also notice what God um, did in the Garden of Eden. Even though Eve was the one that ate the fruit first, when God comes in, he, he doesn't say like, Eve, what did you do? He knows Eve ate it first, but ultimately he holds Adam accountable. He said, Adam, what did you do? And so I I take that as men are to be leaders and God's design was for men to be leaders. And women, I think, can still teach, of course, and and maybe even preach sometimes, but they just shouldn't be kind of like the sole main shepherd of a group of people. But yeah, how about you? I have to say that this was definitely a big struggle for me. Even just last year, I remember we had discussions about this and I was just playing devil's advocate, um, <laughs> uh, trying to challenge your your point of view. But I think 
that as I read more about it, as I listen to podcasts, I see that this point of view is more strongly supported biblically. And so like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't, you know, I can't argue um, when when mm-hmm. the Bible seems to support this point of view more strongly. One thing is that, you know, if we say that Paul's writing was specific to that one specific church for that one time, like, I, I don't understand how that wouldn't be true of all his writings. Like, why just mm-hmm. this specific part? Because they were all letters to a specific church, right? But we know that all of them have, have just rich and relevant applications for us and for the church today. I also think of, like, the whole idea of marriage and what you talked about earlier, Andrea, and sort of how that would play out if the woman was a lead pastor, but then she submitted to her husband at home, but she like had leadership over an entire church and sort of like, I don't really understand how that would work according to what the Bible has to say. So mm-hmm. that being said, I, I also think that it is something that we in the Western church are able to enforce more uh, while others around the world, they may not have this luxury. I learned about like this this group of women leading ministries and churches in the underground churches in the Middle East. So, you know, like should they be forced to select male leaders? Like I don't think so. In in a lot of those cases, the women were the reason for the initial flourishing of these churches. So we can't like discount everything they've done, right? And mm-hmm. it is different. Like their form of, of church, of fellowship is different from what we are able to freely do. Um, in the West. So yeah, I do agree that the role of a pastor and an elder should be a man. I also agree that I think there are other roles in ministry that can be fulfilled by a woman, uh, which you mentioned, Andrea. And yeah, and, and definitely don't, you know, don't hear what we're not saying. It's specifically for the role of an elder or a pastor. Women can definitely serve in in so many other ways in the church. And, you know, ultimately, I do think that it is about what you're convicted to do when you read these verses and, you know, discovering what the Bible is actually saying. I think that as long as you are using your spiritual gifts to the fullest potential, to what God has called you to do to serve his body, that, you know, he's pleased with you, like that's the main purpose of our lives here on earth so it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman as long as you're fulfilling that purpose Mm -hmm. yeah so true and and to mention there's also a lot of women in the old testament and new testament who did have leadership positions that were mentioned and this is just some of them so there's miriam and exodus deborah and jude there's anna we have phoebe priscilla like they're and there's more, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's not that the Bible doesn't talk about women leaders at all, but just not in the elder and past- pastoral um, sense. Yeah. And it's also important to remember that ultimately these opinions, they don't have an effect on our salvation. So, you know, it's something we can debate about, we can disagree upon, uh, but we can all be true believers, you know, whether whether mm-hmm. we view it this way or, or another. Um, It doesn't affect the root of your faith. Uh, But, you know, that being said, I think it is important to think about, to consider all the perspectives and to ultimately see what the word says about it. Yeah, definitely. When, you know, I first heard about this, I struggled with it too. And I I had to pray a lot and to just ask God to like kind of show me and, you know, convict me Mm -hmm. a certain way or another. 
yeah, so God can definitely lead you to feeling strongly convicted about one perspective or or maybe not. And But as long as we all agree on the fact that we're all created in his image and we're meant to glorify and serve him using our gifts, that's honestly the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that Christians should be fighting together against. If you have a strong opinion and the church you're at doesn't support that, then maybe find another church that, you know, does have that conviction as well. And, and that's mm-hmm. it. We don't yeah, we just don't want it to be division among the church, but we also do strongly desire that Christians seek out biblical leadership and biblical churches and just pray and check about it in the Bible. Yeah, so this was like scratching the surface about this topic, but um, we hope you kind of, um, maybe it gets you to think a little bit about this topic. Maybe you haven't thought about it before and definitely let us know your opinions on it as well and we'd love to to discuss with you. Thank you for joining mm-hmm. us for today's episode and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Renewed. We hope it has challenged you to think deeper about your faith and start conversations with those around you. Remember to follow and join us for our next episode. See you next time.